Three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave the Dog Trainer, episode one fifteen. Hello. What's good? We're back. <laughs> here we are. We get our volumes adjusted. Yeah. All right. So we kind of have been talking here the last couple minutes on how we're going to go about today's podcast episode. Mm-hmm. We got you talking about this in the last one. I got so many things to talk about. A lot of very interesting and challenging situations people are dealing with, mm. and. <clears throat> You know, we, we have some clients right now in tough situations with dogs. We talked about last time a lot of inner household aggression issues, right, which is, like, the most challenging thing and I would say also, like, one of the riskiest things that you could have to deal with as an owner, right? You have a dog that is acting aggressively towards members of the family, right? Yeah. And what I want to do is I want to kind of talk about a couple of these situations that we're working with right now and... Just just kind of ponder on the idea of like when, at what point do we call it quits on training? Like at what point do we say the training isn't necessarily going to fix this problem, right? Or, or this is not the right dog for you. Or when do we consider things like behavioral euthanasia or, or, or all of those different types of topics? Because <clears throat> as a trainer, I think we find ourselves constantly in this boat where we're needing to balance a few things, right? We're needing to balance helping our owners, right? Maintaining a degree of hope in the situation, depending on what it is that they're working on, right? Like how do we keep optimism high as we're working through something of like, hey, there is a possible light at the end of the tunnel, right? Mm -hmm. But at what point do we assess the situation and we help people come to a decision that may not be ideal of, hey, maybe you should get rid of this dog. Maybe this dog should be put down. Um, you know, how, how do we navigate all of that? And it, it's mm-hmm. it's such a fine line. And we're going to kind of discuss that a little bit today. We're going to discuss a couple, of, uh, a couple of scenarios that we're dealing with that are leading towards that conversation right now, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're obviously not going to use any names or specifics or anything like that out of respect to the scenario that we're working with. But I do think that there's, there's a lot that can be learned. And I think that these are important conversations for people to hear to help them navigate the world of behavioral modification, whether you're a trainer that is currently working with behavioral modification and will inevitably find yourself in this boat with a dog and with a client or whether um, you're an owner that's dealing with a dog that may be weighing out these decisions or 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 trying to figure out if it's realistic that you might be able to work through goals right yeah <clears throat> so so there's three individual situations that we've been dealing with over the course of the last couple of weeks that I think very important to talk about because they're all on different spectrums of intensity and risk, right? Okay. <clears throat> so so I'll kind of outline the three situations briefly here, and then we'll kind of talk about them a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So situation number one, we have a maybe four-year-old German Shepherd. <clears throat> Pretty good dog, honestly. Like this dog in the grand scheme of intensity of situations... Um, a second here. In the grand scheme of intensity of situations, I would say is very low on the spectrum, right? Okay. So, so we worked with this dog when he was a puppy, like when he was like four and a half months old. He did a puppy program with us. This would have been like four years ago at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did very good with it. 
kind of typical German Shepherd, social with other dogs, pretty friendly with people, stuff like that. And we hadn't really heard from them in a long time. I mean, he'll he'll board every now and then, right? But um, from a training standpoint, not a whole lot as far as, you know, hey, he's doing good, hey, he's doing poorly, this, that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a year ago, we we got a call from the owners saying that they were having, they had an incident with like a contractor, right? So they had a contractor at the house, the dog was loose, right? Contractor kind of walks into the house, big burly guy. This dog ran over to him, kind of jumped on him. And I mean, we'll call him bite. I mean, a bite obviously is a dog putting its mouth on somebody, but like no injuries or anything like that. Yeah. Like everybody was fine. The dog wasn't trying to kill this guy or anything like that. He just kind of had a history of, uh, it sounds like being a little reactive at the front door. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, jumping and clawing all mm-hmm. over people, whether it's people he really liked or people that he didn't like. Mm-hmm. And just, just kind of like overall kind of bad management of the situation, right? Yeah. So got a call. Hey, how do we handle this situation? They had had a couple uh, big changes in their family, right? So they had um, they had a, a child, right? Which he did fine with a child. That wasn't really a concern or anything like that, mm-hmm. right? They were moving. Okay. Um, just a lot of kind of different stuff happening, different dynamics in the household. Hey, how do we handle this situation? We kind of went over, obviously, why the situation happened, some pointers on how they could work through things, et cetera, et cetera, right? <clears throat> so that was, whatever, a year ago, year and a half ago, something like that. Yeah. So got a call maybe a week ago or so, week and a half ago, and, um, you know, husband kind of upset, a little distraught while I was talking to him, stuff like that. Hey, what's going on? It kind of explained that they had a similar situation happen. You know, they had the dog out in the garage. He had his uncle over or something like that. Uncle was sitting at a table, let the dog in. Dog came barreling over, barking at him and stuff like that, and kind of nipped him in the stomach a little bit. Again, Mm. in the grand scheme of things, not a very serious bite. No injuries, no punctures, no marks or anything like yeah. that right it's just a very typical scared dog that's not getting any direction right mm-hmm. that's kind of being left to his own devices of deciding if people are okay or not okay every time they come yeah. over right so are you hearing that mm-hmm. is that coming in and out a little bit yeah wait hold on hold on a second here guys i just gotta just gotta make sure everything's all can't be having no audio issues yeah no audio issues <clears throat> not in the good. middle of this podcast <laughs> Okay, so so whatever, you know, it, it, it sounds like since the first phone call, right, the situation was never really resolved, right? They never really kind of fully implemented a lot of the methods and stuff like that. And, and, mm. and whatever, you know, like in the grand scheme of things we talked, I was like, listen, it's, it's, this is another learning situation. Like, obviously, this situation is something that's uh, that, that we need to get under control, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something I could help coach you through via call at this point, because obviously some of the things that I mentioned before either aren't working or aren't being implemented correctly. But based on all the information I'm being given, it sounds like it should be a relatively easy situation to work through. Right? Yeah. I told him I'd be like, I'm happy to come out to the house right come take a look at the scenario show you guys really how to implement these methods right to kind of get them past some of these hurdles and um you know get them past this right and uh you know just kind of help them overcome those things and um you know whatever so so he's like all right well i'll talk to i'll talk to my wife you know get back to you didn't hear from them for a day or two wound up texting the wife and turns out they decided to put the dog down right oh 
So, it, so this is situation one, right? Yeah. Now I'm I'm adding this situation to these other two situations we're going to discuss. These because it's all going to come together a little bit, but this is a minor situation. The next two situations gradually increase in intensity, right? And I think the way that I kind of want to put this all together, right, for everybody to hear, is in this conversation of behavioral euthanasia, right, there is not any one answer for it. There is not Mm. an answer of, at this point, we decide to do this, Mm. right? At this point... Um, we shouldn't do this, right? Because yeah. everybody's risk tolerance is super different, right? Everybody's um, yeah. um, willingness to, um, um, I, I say this, this gently, but like take responsibility for some of the situations mm-hmm. they're in is a little bit different, yeah, right? And I've seen people, when I do find myself having a conversation with people of like, is it time to do that, right? Is that mm-hmm. an option that we should put on the table, right? Mm-hmm. I find myself constantly telling people that I've had people that own dogs that I genuinely think should have been put down, mm-hmm. that choose to keep the dog. They find a level <clears throat> of management and and accountability that works for them, that mm-hmm. winds up keeping everybody safe, and they wind up living out the rest of their lives with these dogs, mm-hmm. and it goes perfectly fine. And I would say, if somebody is going to make the decision to do that, if we're keeping this dog, mm-hmm. right, regardless of if we should or if we shouldn't, but we're going to keep this dog, I think that even in that circumstance, if I think that they shouldn't keep the dog, it's my job to help them be as successful as possible. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm not just going to, like, if somebody has a dog that I think should be put down, right, and they, you know, choose to keep the dog, and and I don't agree with it, I think one of the worst things I could do in that moment is just write them off from the standpoint of then they're left to trying to figure this out of how to be safe on their own, right? Which, generally speaking, is going to result in even more risk in the long run, Mm -hmm. right? So so I I try to be there to help people out, right, with those types of things. Whatever. So we're kind of going all over the place here, right? So that's that's situation number one, right? Oh, and on the contrary, I've seen people in situations like this where I personally don't think that the situation is that intense, mm-hmm. right? I think it's a very manageable thing. I don't think that there's a whole lot of risk in association with um, trying to work through those types of problems yeah. that choose what, what these people ultimately chose to do, right? Mm-hmm. And for as frustrating as those scenarios can be, like I'll admit that in this situation, I was a little bit frustrated because in my mind, I was like, you know, I, I, I'm offering to at least, I think when I was like, like at least let me just come out and just assess the situation and see if I could point out a couple of very apparent red flags yeah. that, that show that this is a pretty workable situation, yeah, right? And obviously they, they didn't they didn't want to do that, which mm-hmm. a little frustrating initially, but I, I I reel myself in sometimes and I try to I try to kind of respect I respect that decision as best as I can because I'm not in their boat, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not in their life. I don't know how wild their life is, how unpredictable their life is, how True. much stress is on them based on all the other things going on in their life mm. where that extra thing going on with this dog being really apprehensive and fearful of new people tipped them over the edge to the point where they felt like they couldn't they couldn't keep them anymore. Yeah. Right? So so I, I try to have respect for that decision, whether it's frustrating or whether it's not frustrating. Right. Mm. So we're gonna talk about two more situations now, right? And then okay. we'll kind of break down some of the individual ones a little bit. Okay. Right. <clears throat> okay, so 
Situation number two. Actually, I'm trying to think which one I should say next. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll say... I will get it. Okay. Situation number two, right? A pit mix, right? That is owned by a couple that has had the dog for like... I could be wrong about this exact number, but I think like seven months or something. So not a very long time, right? Okay. The dog just recently finished a training program with us. Mm-hmm. The training program, when the dog came in for the training program, came for some general reactivity, impulse control, not listening, right? Just like mm. a lot of general just nonsense, right? Yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot of talk of like really serious problems this dog was having. Right. Okay. There was like a an incident they brought up when they were doing the lessons of like at one point they were at like a party and they were playing with an RC car. And this wasn't one of my clients. This is a client that Bridget had that her and I decided to ultimately do lessons with together. Right. But but they had an incident with an RC car where they were playing with the RC car and this dog just went absolutely batshit bananas trying to like attack and kill this RC car. Right. Okay. Whatever. Very strange situation. Yeah. From the outside looking in without actually seeing it, sounds like a, a, a pretty cut and dry situation of a dog with crazy prey drive towards something like that, very little impulse control, and something that could probably be pretty easily resolved. Yeah. Right? So we're working through. They get to like session nine with this dog out of 10, right? Everything is amazing. Like, the dog is, like, actually is, like, crushing it. The okay. owners are so happy with the results and stuff. Yeah. And then, like, session nine comes around. They're like, hey, what do we want to work on next? Like, is there any last little details? And they were like, oh, and, and I want to make it very clear as I'm talking about these situations. In absolutely none of these scenarios am I, like, like, like blaming people are making it sound like this is anybody's fault. Like, these are all dog-specific problems, right? And we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit more as we get through these, right? So they were like, yeah, you know, we that thing with the RC car, before we started training, we had a similar incident with a blender, right? Like, like one of those, like, magic bullet blender things, okay. right? And I guess the dog went just fucking Cujo crazy over the blender, like attacked the blender. Their blender had like fucking bite marks all over it and shit. Like just, <laughs> just like kind of crazy shit. Yeah. Right. Okay. <clears throat> and they actually were able to videotape the reaction so they could show Bridget right when they came in for the lesson. And it was, it was pretty fucking nuts. Like this yeah. dog went crazy. They were on like their kitchen Island, hit the blender dog is like clawing all over the owner in the counter to try to get to the blender, jumping up, trying Jeez. to bite at, I mean like, like psycho shit, like, yeah. like psycho shit. Wow. Right? Okay. So she's like, all right, we'll bring your blender to the next session. We'll take a look at it and, and we'll work on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. So they brought the blender in, right. They had a session, right. The session went flawlessly. Right, worked on a bed stay, got the dog to hold the bed stay. Blender's going off in the corner. Dog's not even paying attention to the blender, feeding treats and stuff like that. He's taking food from her and everything. You know, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like, like sounds like sounds like we worked through it, right? Mm-hmm. So so that was like session 10, right? That's like the end of the program. We're like, great, we're ending on a positive note here. Whatever. Like, like two days later, right? She gets a text talking about how they had 
an incident or they went to go work on the blender thing. The dog went fucking crazy over the blender, right? And they had the dog on a leash. The dog pulled to the end of the leash. When he realized that they were now holding him back from getting to the blender, he turned around and started redirecting on one of them, right? Didn't bite him super terribly or anything like that, but nonetheless took all that intensity and just shifted it towards them, Mm -hmm. right? And whatever, you know, generally speaking, if we had a session where like something went pretty well, right? And we hear that it didn't go pretty well, our brain immediately goes to let's go figure out what what they're implementing wrong, right? Mm. So we went to the house. I went to go work on it. I was like, listen, like if he freaked out that bad, I was like, I'll be the test dummy in this situation. Yeah, for sure. I'll go to work on it, right? I'll put myself at risk if anything. And we went to go run it, put him on the bed. He broke the bed to try to go to the blender. Same deal. Corrected him for it. As soon as I corrected him for it, he turned and started coming up that leash right at me, right? Like, like crazy. Like he actually, like my, one of my coats, my, one of my favorite, like heavy flannel coats, he literally grabbed this fucking oh, coat and it's like trying yeah. to thrash this coat around you. I'm like, damn. Okay. Like, I was like, well, that's new. Yeah. <laughs> right. Damn. <clears throat> and, um, so we're like, all right, well, this is obviously, this is a big problem, right? Yeah. Like, you know, this is something that we need to get under control, right? Sure. So obviously we can't have them trying to bite us, right? Yeah. So we, you know, whatever, we we, implemented, we did some muzzle training with him. We got a muzzle fitted up. We tried to drill it a little bit more, right? That just intensified his panic, right? Mm-hmm. He started freaking out even more from it and stuff, right? <clears throat> and... Mind you, right, they had like almost 10 weeks of success of just avoiding these problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like they had a routine, right? And the reason why I never came up in training is because they just had a routine where if either of them needed to use their blender or their coffee grinder, he had a similar reaction to one of their coffee grinders, they would only use it if the other was out on a walk with the dog. Oh. So they made sure the dog wasn't in the house. Yeah. Him, right? So, listen, I mean, obviously good on them for, for, for smart management of the situation, mm-hmm. right? But we kind of had the conversation of like, damn, like, this is great that you guys had, you know, nine weeks, ten weeks of success with it. But, like, what if he gets set off by something else, right? Like, what mm-hmm. if something else triggers that exact same response and you guys pulling him away from that thing he wants to get to or trying to correct him for getting to that thing triggers that same exact behavior. And now we're seeing that he's taking that intensity. And when you're trying to tell him, hey, don't do that or pull him away from that, he turns and throws that same intensity back towards you. I was like, you, you can't avoid forever, right? Mm-mm. You haven't owned this dog for that long where you've been able to say, hey, I've managed this for four years and it's never become a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's yeah, going to yeah. turn into something else, oh, right? Yeah. So I was like, listen, we're going to do some in-home lessons over the course of the next couple of weeks here, and I really want to work on this, right? I want to mm-hmm. see if we can get this under control. So whatever. We did like two sessions starting at that one. Very messy. We really like weren't getting anywhere with it, really? honestly. Yeah, okay. like it was, it was just a mess, and we were fighting a lot of this, you know, like as we were going in for the lessons, it was kind of like, like these people really love this dog, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And- because the dog is clearly reacting with that same intensity towards the blenders or redirecting and stuff like that out of like a fear or a frustration, mm. um, it just kind of caused them to like almost nurture the mindset a little bit more 
mm-hmm. and kind of overdo some of like the positive reinforcement and the love and, and, and all of that when he was in a fearful state mm. where, where things like he would stress, he would stress out. Right. And then we would release him from the bed and we'd go back to the owner and then he would start like clawing all over them and climb up on them. Like, Oh my God, save me. Give me attention. This, that mm. they'd kind of reinforce it and stuff like that. Yeah. And again, understandably. So I'm not saying yeah. they caused it by any means, right? No, like this dog definitely. clearly had something wrong that was causing him to act. In this yeah. Way, right. So whatever. So, <clears throat> they kind of started thinking, and we know this wasn't the case, but they kind of started thinking like, hey, you know, maybe the e-collar is making him do this, right? Which is a logical thing that a lot of people will think in these scenarios, mm-hmm. right? Um, we know that's not the case because we know that we saw the exact same response when they were just holding him back with the leash, yeah, right? And every time before, right, he was, before they ever even started training, he was rehearsing the same behavior. That behavior of the the intensity of reacting and freaking out at it, before even starting training, he was doing it. Like I said, he like fucked up their blender and like the RC car and like all that kind of stuff to the point where, where the behavior was there, but now we're telling him don't do that and he's getting pissed off that we're telling him don't do that. And don't Mm. do that could be anything from grabbing a leash and pulling him away from it pushing him away from it, grabbing him and restraining him, correcting him. It could be anything. But Mm -hmm. the problem is not the correction, right? The problem is that we're telling him not to do something he doesn't want to do, right? Whatever. So we said, you know what? Okay, let's see if we could hit pause on the e-collar in the house for a couple weeks, right? Mm -hmm. See if we can kind of start to counter condition this a little bit, still hold him accountable with just the leash. Like we were still kind of giving leash corrections and taking him back and stuff, Mm -hmm. right? And see if we can get somewhere with this, right? <clears throat> slowed the process down, couple sessions go by, <sighs> seemed like we were making a little bit of progress with it, right? But like, it was still very touch and go from the standpoint of there's a lot of management at play, right? Still a lot of kind of avoiding the mm. problem. We were still using the muzzle with him and stuff, right? And it, it, again, it was, it was, it, it was like at one point, like we were making some progress, right? And and we did, mind you, post like from the point of like graduation technically, I think we did maybe five or six sessions like in the whole, right? Okay. Yesterday was I think like our sixth one. Right? All right. So, you know, kind of trying to work through this, right? He would break the command, we'd mark with no, we'd take him back, we'd get it out, right? He would see it. And we hit a point where just by like telling him no and giving like little corrections and taking him back and like rewarding when he would hold position, we got him to a point where a couple of weeks ago, they were taking the blender out, they were putting it on the counter because literally the sight of this thing was what was triggering him before they ever even like turned yeah. it on. Like it was literally the oh, sight wow. of the fucking blender, yeah. right? So, so we're making some progress and... Like, like he was like seemingly calm around it, right? Like it was almost like kind of how we had him at the facility when we worked mm. on it the first time where he was chill. He was taking rewards with it on. Yeah. His attention wasn't glued to it. He seemed fairly relaxed, mm. right? Then in between those sessions, they had a little bit of a slip up with something where it was like they were just hanging out with him. Blender wasn't out or anything, but the girl was making cookies, right? And she had like a stand mixer on the counter that she's uh-huh. used numerous times before with no fucking issue, right? And for whatever reason, that day, he decided the stand mixer was going to set him off also. Came barreling into the kitchen, jumping up at the mixer. She pushed him away, starts jumping back up, trying to nip at her and stuff. 
she said it wasn't as intense as it usually is. She was able to just like block him with her knee and then kind of grab him and put him in his crate and it was fine. And like, whatever, like they, they weren't super concerned about it. We're like, all right, well, let's keep moving along because we were yeah. getting some headway with it. It wasn't as intense as it was before, right? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, and, and mind you, right? Like this is like now we're on like three or four weeks of like, we literally weren't even using the e-collar in the house with them. Like he really wasn't getting corrected for much. Okay. Right? Like, yeah. Like, like so, so we know that wasn't causing this. Yeah. Right? So, so then this dog started generalizing randomly, like once every like week and a half, the guy would be standing in the kitchen, like unloading the dishwasher or something. And the dog might've been thinking he was going to go get the thing out of the counter and came barreling over and jumping and nipping and stuff. Right. Jeez. And, and up until this point, aside from the first time when he did it to me, when we went there, we hadn't really seen this behavior a whole lot. Yeah. Right. So we were just kind of getting the secondhand feedback of this is what's going on, right? And again, in their minds, the behavior they were seeing, the jumping and nipping, wasn't as intense, and they were Mm. able to regain control of the dog fairly quickly again. Mm. So it was kind of like business as usual, like let's let's keep working at this. Yeah. Right? So yesterday we went there, right? And, and there's, there's all sorts of variables I'm probably missing and stuff. Like I, they were just, the, the guy just got back from like out of town or something like a couple days before. And on Monday he went to go put the muzzle on the dog and he had spent all this time like muzzle conditioning. The dog really liked having it on, would take treats through it, stuff like that. For whatever reason, Monday when he went to go put it on, the dog kind of freaked out and ripped the muzzle off. Right. Mm. <clears throat> so we were kind of like, all right, well, you know. Before Monday, like, had you been using the muzzle a whole lot with him? He said, no, we felt pretty confident working on all this without the muzzle. So I was like, all right, well, do you feel confident working without the muzzle with it today, right? Like, because maybe the muzzle is just causing a lot of extra stress, and maybe that will help continue to reduce that stress a little bit and get him calmer, right? And he's like, yeah, you know, I I think I feel comfortable doing that, right? So we went in the house. We didn't even, we didn't even like take anything out, right? At this point, I was just like, let's just work our bed stays, right? Let's work some Mm. commands with him. He's doing commands, right? He's feeding treats. I even said at one point in those first like 10 or 15 minutes, I was like, damn, like this is the best I've seen this dog look. Like he was like happy, motivated, right? Like, I mean, like looked super engaged and like it it looked really good, right? Yeah. So, so we're working some bed stays. We weren't even thinking about taking any like equipment out to work on or anything yeah. like that, like the blender or the coffee maker or anything like that, right? And at one point, he's working a bed stay, and the dog got up, and he told him no and went to go grab the leash. And as soon as he grabbed the leash, this dog just fucking jumped at this guy and just started biting and nipping and grabbed his shirt and like like he's like pulling the guy's trying to like pull his arm away and like I had to jump over and grab the leash from him and pull the dog away from this guy and then like I'm like holding like constant tension up on the leash like making sure this dog isn't going to come and start fucking biting me or anything like that yeah and I got him to settle down and release the tension and went and like threw him in the crate and that was just that was just like it yeah you know, like, like that was, like, like I figured out how to, to describe it. I said before we started this, I was like, this isn't going to be a heavy one, guys. Yeah, here we are. I was are. like, I'm just going to talk about this, like, analytically, right? <laughs> this was a tough one. This was a, yeah. this was a very hard session Yeah. Um, uh, for a lot of reasons, obviously. One, 
you want to feel like you can help people, right? Mm-hmm. And and you want to keep hope, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that, and it was so funny, right? It, not funny, but like ironic, I should say. As soon as I took the leash away, the guy was like, motherfucker. And he had like bites on his arm. Like not, again, not like crazy. He's like torn up and needs to go to the hospital or anything. But like bruises all up his arm from this dog biting yeah. and clamping onto him. Yeah. Right? Like, like, like. The dude got beat the fuck up by this dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and and again, he's fine. Like, it's not like he's going to need to go to the hospital over it or anything like that. Like, he'll yeah. be okay. But, like, that dog was coming at him with a lot of intensity there. And whether or not that dog was like, I want to hurt you or just whatever. Who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? He was still not stopping. He was like, I don't like what you're doing right now yeah. is what the dog was telling him in, like, a frenzy. Right. Mm-hmm. And he stopped and I grabbed the leash and, and the guy like almost like jokingly said, see, it, it, but, but he wasn't joking. He said, see, like it's, it's not as intense as it was before. <laughs> and that was, that was actually really sad. I yeah. feel like, because it's almost like, like I was talking to Michelle about this yesterday. It's almost like, it's like, like like battered wife syndrome or whatever, where like you <laughs> yeah. justify what happened to you of like, mm-hmm. oh, it wasn't as bad. He didn't mean to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. But you just got fucked up by your dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? And <laughs> and and the, the other part about it is it was literally over nothing. It was literally over fucking nothing. Yeah. He didn't do anything to the dog. Before we even started this, right? Like, yeah. like when the first time when I grabbed the leash and I corrected the dog for breaking the bed, like I didn't even fucking do anything to the dog. Yeah, you know what I mean. He just was so intent on I need to kill that blender, right? Mm-hmm. And he was in such a frenzy over it, and the fact that I was telling him you can't do that was enough. Was enough for him to say, "All right, well, fuck you then." Yeah, Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like that wasn't like, like I, I threw that dog in the crate and I was like, we, we got to sit down and talk right now. Right. So we sat, we sat down and we just for like 20 minutes just talked and, and, and I was just like, I, there, it's just it, like, like, like you're just, you're so at risk working through this right now. And it's not even at risk in a predictable way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like this next situation we'll talk about is is a little bit more predictable, right? Mm-hmm. Which whatever, right? But but it's it's not even in a predictable way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at this point, just because of the fact this dog knows this blender is in the house somewhere, mm-hmm. and that there is a possibility that these owners will take out that blender, he is constantly at risk in his house that that dog will associate him walking in some sort of weird particular way in the kitchen with he's going to get the blender so I need to proactively go and fight this guy to not take the blender out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's even worse because it is so unpredictable. Yes. You know? Like you, it's a predictable trigger yeah. but it's completely unpredictable where the dog will perceive that that trigger is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's crazy. So, so we had... That conversation, I told him, I, I, and again, we talked at the beginning of this, right? Like, I genuinely do not feel it's my job to tell people to put their dog down. I really don't, mm-hmm. right? 
Again, I've seen so many situations where people wind up keeping them. I think it's my job to articulate options for people Mm -hmm. and very clearly, without sugarcoating it, explain what those options look like, right? In this particular case, I still outline those options, right? Mm -hmm. We half-ass talked about this is what management would look like with this dog, and this is your best chances of potentially keeping yourself safe from this dog. Mm -hmm. But I will say that this is the first time in a long time that I've strongly, strongly encouraged not keeping this dog. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Yeah. And it's, I feel so bad about the situation because I, I feel like, I feel like there's a little bit of a divide between the house on on how to approach the situation. And I've kind of felt this way a little bit since we started it, um, where the dog has never had these issues with the woman, right? Mm. Never, right? And over the course of the 10 training sessions, up until the end, the guy was the only one that was bringing the dog to the train. Yeah. Right? And, and and again, not in any sort of like judgmental or bad way, but like I, I just feel like they look at the scenario a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy mentioned a couple times over the course of the conversation yesterday that he feels like if it weren't for the the girl being a part of the household as well, and he was not saying this in any sort of like a bad way against her, obviously, but yeah, but he felt that if she wasn't there and it was just him in this dog he would not have felt safe in the house with this dog. Like when Mm -hmm. he first got this dog, when all this first started happening. Yeah. Right. And that is a fucking tough situation to be in. Yeah. Like that is, that is a tough situation to be in from the standpoint of, of, of he's not hanging on to things for the dog's sake. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if they're going to make a tough situation or, or a tough decision through this situation, it is going to have to result from them being very, very on the same page with that is the right decision to make, mm-hmm. right? And I don't 100% know, based on the conversation we had yesterday, if I feel like they are on the same page with that. Yeah. And that's a... T- yeah. I just like the what I was explaining is like when I watched this dog going at this guy yesterday, right? It was like five seconds. Right? It was super fast. We got it ended. But like those situations, like when I see like dog fights or, or dogs trying to bite people, whether they have muzzles on or not or whatever, they almost happen in like slow motion in front of me. Yeah. Right. Like I feel like I, my brain just processes it so much differently. You know what I mean? Where I'm like analyzing everything that's happening as I'm watching it. Yeah. <clears throat> And the only thing I could think is like we were in a training session, so the dog had a leash and collar on and had his e-collar on, so there was a lot to grab a hold of in this situation. What if that guy was by himself with this dog and he didn't have any collars on for whatever reason or he just had his flat collar on, which was pretty loose, mind you, Mm -hmm. that easily could have slipped over this dog's head. And whether that dog wanted to really hurt this guy or not, that could have ended in a situation where he got seriously injured. Yeah. It could have. Because obviously we've stopped every time. We don't know how far that dog is going to take that. Yeah. Right? We don't know if, if he's going to stop after three seconds and go run away or if he's going to continue to try to bite because he's in a frenzy. Mm-hmm. Right? And 
<clears throat> you know, we could sit here and I think sometimes in these situations we debate like, why did this happen? Right? Like, why is the dog doing this? Right? Which is important, right? It's important to see like, why is, why, you know, if we're going to try to work through a situation, we have to reverse engineer it and figure out what's causing this behavior. Mm -hmm. Right? And I could think of probably seven reasons why this is potentially happening, right? Yeah. Or potentially intensifying, mm -hmm. right? But nonetheless, Eva made a really great point when we were doing a podcast with her the other day when we were talking about genetics, mm -hmm. where she said, you could run a hundred dogs through a particular scenario. The scenario of this dog being in a bed stay, on a leash, mm -hmm. setting off a blender in a corner, and if the dog broke it to try to go run over there, correcting them and putting them on the blender. And probably out of a hundred dogs that you run that with, probably a hundred of them will not act in the way that this dog acted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like literally, like, like, oh, yeah. like honestly, like you would probably have to zoom out to fucking a thousand dogs, 500 dogs, something like that to find one that will act in the same way as this. Right. Yeah. So whether it's something caused it or something the owners did in the home, right. Or, the training. Everybody wants to, you know, I, I'm sure mm -hmm. if a force free trainer were to listen to this, they'd be like, it's the fucking training. It's the fact that you corrected the dogs. Like, but we correct hundreds and thousands of dogs for similar things like this, and they don't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. That, te that tells you this mm -hmm. is a genetic component, right? Yeah. This is not a normal behavior this dog is exhibiting, mm -mm. right? No way. And when you're dealing with genetics, genetics are so powerful because you don't change the nature of who a dog is. Mm -hmm. If he has that default of when I panic and don't like something or I'm scared of something, my default is go and attack it. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have that risk there. Always. <laughs> yeah. Always. Right? Mm. <clears throat> Whatever. So that's situation number two. Yeah, that one. Whew. That one, th that one bugs me the most out of all these situations mm -hmm. because that one really is like a Jacqueline and Hyde fucking situation, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. like, again, this next one we're going to talk about, which is just a fucking asshole dog mm -hmm. that's being an asshole in his house, Yeah, right? That one is a, this dog, these people love this dog so much. Like mm -hmm. they really, really do. Like 99% yeah. of their life with this dog is just cuddles and walks and treats and mm -hmm. funny nicknames and, and just all the like when you picture like a human that just really wants to love a dog is that and we could argue that that's some of the problem right yeah but nonetheless you get back to you could run a hundred dogs through this situation and a hundred mm -hmm. dogs probably wouldn't act that way yeah. right so I think a, a conversation that's important to have with people that are in this situation sometimes, right? When they themselves are at risk, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a different, we're not going to talk about dogs that are trying to bite strangers and stuff like that. Because yeah. I think that's a whole different conversation. Oh, yeah. Right? But when dogs are trying to bite you, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're like these people who just want a dog they could fucking love and hang out on the couch with and mm -hmm. go for walks and give treats to. Mm-hmm. There are thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of dogs out there that will provide you such a greater life than living in potential fear in your house with your dog. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that whole situation, like <clears throat> from the almost, you know, not that it's random, but the not knowing when it's just going to happen yeah. to, you know, the, the owners being kind of on different pages to loving that dog so much. It's, it's not, it, it I think this is a good testament to a lot of the times that you'll have this situation where it's just so messy. It's so dirty. It, like it's not a cut and dry thing, you know? Yeah. And, and usually, I mean, never really is, but this one is so hard because there's so many different variables that are just, <laughs> just make it make it, it makes it so hard to make a judgment call at the end of the day. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, even as we were doing these sessions, it's so hard because like, watching them work the dog right like i could see so many little things that i'm like god they really shouldn't do that you really shouldn't do that you really shouldn't do that right Mm -hmm. that are all super minor things but Mm -hmm. the reason why they're doing those things is because they're scared of the dog in Mm -hmm. this context you know what i mean so i can't just be like it's it's easier said than done to just be like just don't do those things yeah but it's like 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 their fear is causing them to act in ways that's further triggering the dog. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We talk a lot about like Caesar talks about you know your energy impacts your dog and this and that. And I always mm-hmm. push back on it's not your energy that impacts things. It's the things you do when you have bad energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's your reactions. It's your reactions to how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. And and you can't fault them. I mean, it's like no, not when, in the slightest. Yeah. When you're not getting the nipped or bit or anything. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the last thing you want to do is like <laughs> piss that dog off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And I think, it, yeah. And, and this is maybe another thing too, since it's not, not such a cut and dry, like scenario, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, maybe there are things I, I feel like a lot of trainers will try to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And I don't know if they ever get to that spot that we're kind of talking about today. Like, Hey, we need to have some conversations. Yeah. I, <laughs> But again, it's it's I, and I can't fault those trainers for it either necessarily because yeah. I see so many situations where trainers jump to that too fast. No, for this for is sure. interesting, right? Like yeah. so, so sidebarring here. Right? Sorry, <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is good. This is a good conversation, right? So we had we posted a reel. Let me pull it up real quick. Hang on. Okay. This was this was actually really cool. I thought, but this goes to this same conversation of how delicate this is, right? Yeah. So, where is it? Too much content. See? Honestly. <laughs> I'm trying to think how long ago did we post this. It wasn't that long ago. Here it is. All right. Yeah. Who's your dogs? Morty and Pippa. It's good to see you again. Yeah, I remember their assessment. <laughs> right? Take so, care. literally, we were... <laughs> That's fucking cool. (laughs) That's cool, right? So we're out on a session. I'm in the flats with this dog, right? And um, I'm out on a session, and we're working it down, stay outside. And this this woman walks out of one of the restaurants that Mm -hmm. was right there. And she looks, and she's like, you're with Miracle, right? I mean, you heard it, obviously. I'm like, yeah. She's like, you saved my dogs. Mm -hmm. That's heavy. Now let's talk about why that's heavy. Mm-hmm. Right, because everybody can say, "Oh, my dog was so out of control," and you save them. Right? Mm-hmm. This is different. Right? This is a case in point of people recommending euthanasia too fast. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Morty and Pippa were two little dogs, like this big. Right? One yeah. was this big, like a little like 
I don't even know what the fuck he was. Some sort of little schnauzer guy or some shit, right? Yeah. And then the other was a three-legged corgi, right? That was oh. Pippa, right? Okay. And um, whatever, she contacted me in a, a, a similar situation to all these other ones, right? Yeah. So, so these two dogs got in some fucking nasty fights with each other. And they're small, yeah. but man, these were fucking nasty fights, yeah. right? Like, like this, this fucking Morty fucked Pippa up a couple times, yeah. right? And the problem was when Morty would fuck Pippa up or get fucking crazy reactive towards shit, uh-huh. and she would try to break it up, Morty would fucking turn on her ass, mm-hmm. right? And start trying to fuck her up over stuff. Oh, okay. Like, this was like a, this was a tough fucking situation yeah. right where this is no different than what we just talked about we got a dog trying to go after fucking owners or this next situation i'm going to talk about of a dog trying to go after owners mm-hmm. right and <clears throat> she contacted a couple different local trainers i'm not going to name names of which trainer this was i'll tell you after we get off the podcast right, thank you <laughs> <laughs> but this trainer or or, or the, she reached out to this trainer to to figure out some options this trainer she told her she told the owner that the only way you can get past serious behavioral modification issues is if you do boarding trains, which is going to cost you whatever, seven or eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? To do boarding trains with both of these dogs, mm-hmm. right? And even then, your success opportunity or your success chances are so low that you probably should just consider putting one of the dogs down. Whoa. This was this person's advice yeah. after a 10-minute phone call. Yeah, that's... A 10-minute phone call. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, literally. Right? Honestly, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right? So, we... There's some trainers that say that. You got to do boarding trains for behavioral modification. I don't think that's the case. If anything, with behavioral modification, I think one-on-ones can be more beneficial because you got to get past this stuff yourself with the dogs. <laughs> yeah. And we need more time, right? I don't need four weeks. I need to 10 weeks straight of seeing you yeah. to hear the week-by-week progress updates to help if we're going to have any sort of fighting chance of getting through yeah, this. Yeah, for right? sure. I could tell this girl was on a little bit of a budget as she was working through things. So I hooked her up. We did a two-dog one-on-one package, and instead of making her do one-on-ones with both dogs, which generally speaking, we would do two-hour blocks of time. I told her, we'll do one-hour block of time. Mm-hmm. We'll just do our standard 10-session program, but you can bring both dogs with you, and mm-hmm. we'll just focus on what we need to focus on with them. Yeah. Right? She wound up working with Michelle. This was years ago, guys. These dogs are crushing it. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They That's don't good. fight each other anymore. They don't try to bite her anymore, and they got past the issue. Nice. So this is what I mean about, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people when they listen to this podcast can be like, well, David, you probably should have told these owners to put this dog down six weeks ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But we've seen it go both ways. ways. You can't say that. You cannot say that. No. These two dogs are alive. We saved these dogs because we we tried. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we said, all right. Let's work through this. Let's figure out a way to keep everybody safe as we're working through this, mm-hmm. and let's see how far we can get. Yeah. Right? And it worked out. Mm-hmm. Right? Where was I going with that? You're talking about don't saying. Oh, having the hard yeah. conversation. So, hard so, conversation. so this is why it's so fucking delicate. Mm-hmm. It's so delicate. Yeah. Right? Is you just, you don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. 
until you start working with it. Mm-hmm. And the owner plays a big role in it, right? The owner's willingness to work through it, mm-hmm. the owner's risk tolerance, obviously, the owner's soundness of mind of being able to look at their own situation yeah. unemotionally, mm-hmm. right? And some people can do that and some people can't do that. And some dogs will fit into that mold and some dogs won't. Because I'm not going to sit here and say that it's all about the owner either. Because I don't think it is. Mm-mm. I think there are some dogs that are too challenging, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about, we'll plug it here. We did the behavioral uh, euthanasia podcast episode where I discussed my experience with that. You guys can go and listen to it to hear exactly that of a situation with a dog where this is a dog issue, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, So it's... It's such a fine line. It's such a fine line. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But I think you you hit pretty as close to the mark as you can because you did the 10 weeks and then you did how many other? Like five or six uh, after, five that. after yeah, that. Yeah. that. It's like you've literally done. Like we we put in the every, college try. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. <clears throat> and and I tell everybody, and you'll hear again in this next situation we're going to talk about in a second, I tell everybody, you got to set realistic parameters in your head of how long you're willing to try also. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and when you had that conversation, it wasn't like you were like, you know, euthanasia is your only option. No, yeah. you were hard truth like, this is going to be a tough battle for the rest of your life. Yeah. Or, you know, this is that option, this option, and that. You know, it wasn't just like, Okay, you got to put it down. It's like mm-hmm. you just got to be realistic if you want to keep this dog. Yeah, man, tough. Yeah, that's a that's a really tough one. All right, so we're gonna get into situation number three here, which is interesting because it's the most intense out of the three situations, but it's the least weird. Of the three situations. Actually, I mean, the first one, the first one I just kind of threw in there to, to show you different perspectives, I think, right? Mm-hmm. That one obviously is a little different than these other two. Yeah. Um, but but out of these two situations, I should say, the most intense, but the, the least weird, mm-hmm. right? We kind of described the first one was weird, right? The first one is like genetic quirkiness of the dog mm-hmm. that's creating severe unpredictability based on this assumption this dog has that something bad is going to happen. Yeah, right, for sure. Okay, so third situation, right? Mm-hmm. Dog did a board and train with us like probably a, almost two years ago. Oh, wow. Right? And same deal, did the board and train with us not for any sort of inner household aggression issues, we'll call it, okay. right? He was always like funny with like the guy, right? The boyfriend or the husband. Um, but but he, he he never really was like going after him necessarily mm. the dog was kind of just a dick okay well we'll say he's he's just a dick yeah right like he's, he's a he's a wheat and terrier which wheat and terriers notoriously can be a real pain in the ass uh, mm-hmm. so um so that they can notoriously be a little bit of a pain in the ass but this dog was just a dick Right, like mm-hmm. super reactive on a leash towards dogs and people, right? In okay. his house, just fucking nonsense out the windows at anybody that would walk by, out the fucking fence if he was in the yard if a dog came by, right? Like mm-hmm. did whatever he wanted to do in the house. Yeah. Right? Like literally whatever the fuck that mm-hmm. he wanted to do. Yeah. Right? Just 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 no rules, yeah. right? And whatever, did fine with his board and training. He would board with us pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. He's, he's cool, right? He's never given us a problem. We've seen this dog a lot. He comes to daycare all the time and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So so maybe a month 
ago, month and a half, probably a month and a half or two months ago, right? We got a call. There's a dog that did a board and train with Seamus, right? Seamus got a call from the owner saying, hey, you know, this dog bit my boyfriend, right? Mm. So he's like, all right, well, let's figure out what's going on. And and the first thing that she said when she when she made that call was, we've been really bad about the training. <laughs> uh, okay. Like she fully admitted and accepted we are screwing up right now, mm-hmm. right? We do not enforce anything. I think she verbatim said, Junior has no rules, <laughs> right? Oh, no. So so whatever, yeah. right? Like, okay, right? Like, he bit him. It wasn't great, obviously, but it wasn't super terrible by any means, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever, you know, like, they came in, did a couple follow-up sessions, and... At this point, again, because the bite wasn't super intense, it kind of sounded like a situation where, like, maybe, you know, maybe the dog, whatever, didn't have rules. He was on the couch with them, was guarding the couch, came over, tried to pet him, bit him. Mm. A situation like that, right? Yeah. So, so did some sessions, talked about kicking him off the furniture and stuff, but there wasn't a whole lot of talk outside of, like, other major issues elsewhere, right? Mm. Um, it, it was just a lot of, you know, he, he just kind of acts up in the house. Right. Okay. So they went over some structure to set this and that, but, but, but nonetheless, you know, it was, you know, they, they tried, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was really on them of like how serious they needed to take things, you know? Mm. So then maybe a month after that, this would have been about four weeks ago, right? Maybe about four weeks ago, they get a call that the dog like pretty intensely like went after the guy. Right, over a very similar situation. Okay. Right. Dog was like in between the couch, up against the girl. Mm. They're sitting there watching a movies, like patting him and stuff. And suddenly dog didn't like it anymore and turned and just started launching at this guy. Right. Wow. Bit him on his arms a couple times. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he jacked this dude up pretty good. Right. Like it, it yeah. was it was uh it was it was a it was it was definitely much more than just a bite. Like dude mm-hmm. like they went to the emergency room, like he had to get some oh, stitches wow. and stuff. He was all bandaged up from it and everything because he yeah. had a decent amount of punctures on his arms. Right. How big do these dogs get, by the way? They're, uh, they're pretty fluffy, so pretty I would fluffy. say maybe fifty pounds or so. Still. Yeah. It's a decent sized dog. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. So so I was like, damn. So so Seamus and I immediately as soon as we got that phone call, we're like, hey, we're coming over to the house right now. Like, we want to see, we want to, we got to talk, right? Mm-hmm. And again, anytime we're in a situation where there's inner house aggression issues, yeah. right? A dog going after somebody else in the house. More than just like a predictable bite, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, th- the conversation has to be had, right? We will always outline behavioral euthanasia as a potential, right? Yeah. We're not necessarily pushing it on you. We're not forcing it on you, mm-hmm. but it has to be discussed that this is a very, very realistic option that is on your table right now. Yeah. Right. So we went over there. We talked about the situation. Even, even then, as we were talking to them, mm-hmm. they really, they were basically like, I was actually surprised how non-emotional they were when we were having the conversation. I was actually impressed, we'll wow. call it, right? Okay. Like they really were just like, that was scary. We really want to work through this. We like really like like tr- can you can you try to give us some sort of information of what we could do to help this? Yeah. Right. So obviously, first thing we discuss is listen, like you gotta weigh out your risk tolerance, right? Euthanasia is a very real possibility that you guys have right now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's something you guys should strongly consider, right? But here are all your options, right? So, so we started discussing, you know, what, what's his behavior like in the home? What's his behavior like out of the home that you're still seeing, right? Mm-hmm. And we wound up finding like six really, really apparent problematic behaviors of this mm. dog that they could not get under control, right? Yeah. This dog still went cujo on anybody that walked by the house. If mm. the dog was in the yard and another dog went by, pff, good luck trying wow. to get control over this dog. Yeah, The girl wouldn't take him for walks, and they live in Little Italy in like a very populated area. Oh, she boy. couldn't take this dog for walks because she didn't trust his behavior, passing people and dogs and stuff like that. Yeah. All things that like, again, had been issues, but in their mind weren't on the forefront of things they should bring up mm. because in their mind it wasn't correlated to these issues they were having in the house. Those yeah. are two separate things, but we know those aren't two separate things. No, nope. they're not, right? Oh, like, Lord. like this dog is basically still doing whatever he wants to do. And when he feels threatened by something that's walking by and he wants to make it go away, he fucking attacks it, mm-hmm. right? That's his default go to, right? Yeah. And because he's always been funny with the guy, right, it's now just starting to turn into going after him, mm-hmm. right? But they've lived with this dog for years without problems, right? So it's a little different than this last situation we talked about where they haven't owned the dog for very long to be able to see enough different situations, mm-hmm. which is a positive from the standpoint of you guys had a year, a year and a half of success without any sort of incidents, yeah. right? Showing that the dog can be okay with this, yeah, for right? Sure. It's just built up over time until it turned into this. <laughs> yeah. But I said, I was like, listen, I was like, I was like, if you guys want to keep this dog, I was like, I will do whatever I can to help you, right? Like, obviously, I'm not going to hang you guys out to drive. I was like, but mm. this is another big thing. If people do choose to keep the dog, again, I'll keep helping them. But I tell them, I was like, you have to set a timeline of how long you're going to try for. You can't just say, I'm going to keep this dog and we're going to try and we'll just see how it goes, right? I tell people, you need to set a maybe two-month, eight-week timeline where, okay, now from right now to eight weeks from now, we're going to put in place any safety protocols and management techniques that we need to put in place. Two, we're going to really triple buckle down on trying to get some of these things under control, right? And three, we are going to, on a weekly basis, have very serious, honest, real conversations with ourselves of are we noticing a change in behavior, right? Because if you're not seeing that, if you're in a situation where you're just like, oh yeah, placebo effect, we're working on it, so it'll get better, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times, eight weeks from now, you'll find yourself still in that boat where it's like, we're working on it. It'll get better. As opposed to have the things I've been working on actually paid off and gotten me to a place where we're seeing results or not. Yeah. Right? So same deal. Um, We're we're now, we are in the middle of working with that dog. I've been doing weekly in-home sessions with them Mm -hmm. to um, work on things. And I think with this particular dog, we actually are seeing massive strides in things. They... Because the behavior is fairly predictable, mm-hmm. right? And because their routines just work out really well and they're both very on the same page. Yeah. And the behavior has only ever been directed towards the husband. Literally never in two years of them owning this dog towards anybody else, right? Okay. They may have even had this dog longer than two years. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Mm. Um, you know, we're able to keep everybody 100% safe. Anytime this dog is out with the husband right now, he's got a muzzle on. 
right? Like, like mm. we're not chancing anything, obviously. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we're seeing pretty good progress with things. Okay. They seem confident in how they're working through things so far. The dog's mm-hmm. behavior is, is greatly improving. Um, so, so this is another one where we'll see how it goes. We just started this process of, of seeing how it goes and, and working through it and, and giving it the, the college try, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one is kind of to be determined still. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously seems like it's going to be a more manageable thing. I mean, we'll see. Like, listen, like I, I, you know, like, I, yeah, like I, I feel hopeful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you know, every time we come in for those sessions, we do still really talk, mm-hmm. you know, not about like, hey, like we should do this still, but like, like really looking at, you know, any and all changes in his behavior and really making sure that we are moving in the right trajectory with things. Yeah. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like they, they've got to figure out a way of, 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 you know, are we okay with it? Because the risk never goes away. You know, we talked about that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like there's always a possibility that three years from now, right? You guys slip up with your training that something might happen again. And they're like, we understand that. And Mm -hmm. and the guy understands that. Yeah. And he's the one that fucking experienced it. You know what I mean? Like the dog went after him, Mm -hmm. right? So it's just kind of, yeah, it's just kind of up to that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We're gonna see how how they uh, how they progress over the next few weeks. For sure, it's <laughs> and it is not that it's it, it's interesting to see because, like you said, people think, oh, all this other stuff has nothing to deal do with it. Yeah. But like, obviously, this dog has probably been showing those signs Big time. for a, a couple of years or however long when they started kind of relaxing them, maybe on their training or whatever. Yeah. And it just, you know, like you said, it was just kind of a build up over time. It wasn't like a, a surprise, but yeah. you know, I. Um, it also would be a different story if, like, post training, they were actually putting in the work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think even post, and, and they were they were guilty, just like a lot of people, yeah. of they do the board and train, just thinking, ah, we'll get the dog trained. Whatever you know, like <laughs> yeah. we'll get them trained. It'll be okay. It'll be fine. It'll you be, know, without realizing yeah. training comes down to so many lifestyle changes. And this is where I, I've talked about this a lot of times before. Also, like I got a pro, I, I have a little bit of a problem with when I see people all the time talking about rehabilitation, right? Yeah. And fixing dogs and there's so many people that have built their brands around we stop behavioral issues mm-hmm. right like that's what we do and i understand what they're saying with mm-hmm. it right they do stop behavioral issues right they're able to crack yeah. this stuff they're able to get the dogs respectful and stuff like that but there's not enough getting back to what i was talking about last time which is you know i want to be the realist dog trainer mm-hmm. i promise you guys Every dog trainer that works with aggressive dogs has experienced these same situations. Oh yeah. Every one of them, mm-hmm. you know? But it's not as it's not as glamorous to talk about these situations. No. It's not. Like why would you highlight a quote unquote failure? Right? Mm-hmm. Why would you highlight a situation where somebody tried training with you and ultimately you determined that the training ain't gonna help this dog? Yeah. Right? No, for sure. Why, like, why would you Why would you highlight those things? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. But nonetheless, we highlight these things 
because there's a lot of people out there that listen to these things that are in similar situations. Yeah. And my only advice that I would give everybody when it comes to this conversation Mm -hmm. is just be honest with yourself. It's (laughs) nobody wants to to talk about or think about needing to put a dog down or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I do think in 95% of situations where people think about putting a dog down or do put a dog down, it probably is a situation that is not that big of a deal and probably can be solved with good training. Yeah. Right? But there are those 5% cases that are very, very risky. Yeah. We'll call them. Mm-hmm. You know, and will require lifelong management. Yeah. And some people are okay with that. Other people, not so much. Yeah. And that is that is a decision for you to make and you to make alone as the owner of that dog. Yeah. Will it fit in your life? Yeah. Man, I was going to say something else. I'm trying to remember what the fuck it was. <sighs> what the hell was I going to say? Man, I had a really good segue out of that. I can't remember what it was, though. Oof. That's a bummer. Man. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, nope. yeah, this is what I was going to say. So Got so it. this is, right, so like like that that situation with the second dog that we talked about, mm-hmm. that, was, that happened yesterday, right? Yeah. That was yesterday afternoon that Bridget and I did that session together, mm-hmm. right? And I've been in this situation before with clients, right? Like I've mm-hmm. been doing this for a long time now. Right, I've experienced plenty of dogs in that situation before. Plenty of dogs that are dangerous. Plenty of dogs who owners have decided to put them down. Plenty of dogs where the training didn't work. Right, like mm-hmm. like it, I, I've I've been there. Right, that doesn't make it any easier. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it. I left that session yesterday bummed. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, it's like fuck. Like I just I wish, you know, you wish there's something else you could do to help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at that stage, it's like. There's only there's only so much you could do. There's yeah. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's only so much that you can do, right? Yeah. Bridget, this was like the first time she's really experienced that, I think. Mm. You know, with a dog, like in this situation where it's yeah. like, damn, like like this was her client initially, and she was really feeling like I think like a failure over it. Mm. Right. And Michelle and I talked to her last night and just Obviously, that's not the case. You know, like, obviously, stuff like this doesn't make you a failure as a trainer. If anything, you helping owners navigate through all the emotions that are surrounding this Mm -hmm. and be there for them no matter what decision that they ultimately make is you doing the greatest honor to them. Because this is what I explain, right? I know that 90, I, I would say almost every single fucking dog trainer in Cleveland, almost every single one of them, had they got the text message on after session 10 of, hey, we tried to work on this and it didn't fucking go well, Mm -hmm. they would have been like, all right, want to buy 10 more sessions? Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't care about the person. Mm -hmm. We did literally six in-home lessons with this person for free. We didn't charge them anything. Yeah. Right? And I had zero intention of charging them anything for it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not like an ego brag of like, oh yeah, we're not even fucking charging them. Blah, blah, blah. I just want to help you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You committed to hiring us to try to help you with your situation. And no matter what direction this turns in, I'm there to help you still. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, you know, that that alone, you know, in situations in the past that I've ran into this, people are so grateful for, you know, you just being there for them 
through yeah. this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing. And then, you know, another thing that's very important to look at, and this is another thing we talked about last night, the three of us, was, you know, it gets very easy to then let that become like the forefront of your focus, which is like all you could think about of all the training you've done in the last like three months is that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which further gets you getting down on yourself. It's like you're like question everything that you did. Like, God, am I even fucking making <laughs> a difference and everything's a joke yeah. and this and that. And I, I had to remind her, of all of the victories she's had in the last four weeks. And I wanna I wanna I wanna read this. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. <clears throat> Here we go. So this, ironically, just yesterday came in. This is a review that we just got yesterday. Mm-hmm. I wanna read this. Okay. And I don't know if she specifically says it in here. This client worked directly with Bridget. Mm -hmm. So this review. Miracle Canines program was one of the best investments we've ever made. It has truly changed both of our lives and our dog Dottie's life for the better. As a first-time dog owner with a naturally anxious and vocal German shepherd, my husband and I spent much of our time uh, with her worrying about her rather than enjoying having her around. She was resource-guarding, Barking incessantly, had separation anxiety, was pulling on walks, and it felt as though even the smallest things would cause her to react in fear. She is such a smart, sweet, and friendly girl, but her personality was being overshadowed by her lack of confidence. We felt unbelievably frustrated and inadequate in all of our attempts to work with her, so we reached out to Miracle and signed up for one-on-one lessons with Bridget. Dottie's progress was immediately apparent in our very first lesson, and now it is hard for our friends to believe she is the same dog. Likely, even more dramatic is the shift in how confident my husband and I feel in communicating with her and knowing that she will respond. Bridget taught us to be consistent and clear and was extremely patient in helping Dottie work through her fears. It was unbelievably rewarding to watch Dottie grow in confidence as she began to better understand our expectations. Everything that we thought was a behavioral issue that would take months or years to fix, Bridget seemed to be able to address in a lesson and sent us home with instructions on how to practice being consistent with it throughout the week. Now Dottie is off-leash trained and her quality of life is so much better than it was before. We fully credit Bridget with helping her and us through this transformation and can't emphasize enough how professional, responsive, even-tempered, and caring Bridget was throughout the process. Dottie recently had issues with vet anxiety, and it was so severe that our vet was suggesting that we may have to fully sedate her in order to get routine vet visits done. Rather than go that route, we reached back out to Bridget to see if she could help us. Bridget responded immediately and was unbelievably helpful, getting us in the right headspace to make it through a successful vet visit. She even went to a visit with us and showed us how to manage Dottie in that setting to help her tolerate being handled without an outsized fear reaction. Our vet was absolutely floored at the positive way in which Dottie responded, and we were able to get her the care she needed without resorting to any form of sedation. I can't even begin to describe what a huge relief this has been for us. We have been so pleased with our experiences with Miracle that we switched to boarding Dottie there while we are away. We both feel incredibly comfortable having her there, and she loves going. Their facility is incredibly clean. I don't know how they manage that. It is impressive. It's a lot of work. (laughs) 
and the staff has always been so kind and accommodating. We have nothing but the highest praise for Miracle Canine and would not hesitate to recommend them to anyone, regardless of what challenges you may be facing with your dog. Let's go, Bridget. Let's fucking go. <laughs> but like, it's yeah, it's really important to remember that shit too. Oh yeah, that's another life changed by the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. right? And just because another life might be changing in a not as ideal way, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you didn't play an integral role in helping them navigate the inevitable. Yeah. I would much rather have that than someone that's just trying to shove another tin, you know, lesson package down my throat and 100%. not not being real with me. Mm-hmm. You know? So whatever. So that's some of the shit we've been dealing with. There's hey, always something. Yeah. As Cleveland's realist or as the realist dog trainer yeah. on the internet, you know? Look at that. We- Listen, it ain't, it ain't always fucking rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. I tell everybody that. This yeah. industry is fucking hard. And if you are in this line of work for a long time and you're dealing with a lot of behavioral modification, this industry will try to fucking crush you in mm-hmm. so many different ways oh, yeah. that you could never even imagine. Mm-hmm. Literally. Right, yeah. and all you got to do is just stay focused on the North Star, <laughs> which is actually caring about and helping your clients to the best of your abilities. Yep, that's it. It's all you can do. There you go. As long as you do that, you'll weather all the the goods, the bads, and the uglies. Yeah. See, we start talking about something serious and. <clears throat> the sun went away and the clouds came yeah, out. Yeah, seriously. I'm going to rain on us now. Motherfucker. <laughs> so whatever. So yeah, that's that's the good dealio. One. Yep. It was a great. I don't know. <laughs> I pretty much have said all my ending thoughts after each one, but yeah. you know, it's it's a tough conversation like you said at the end of the day like it's a very delicate balance of when you have these conversations with your clients and and just mm-hmm. have their best interest in mind. That is 100% it. So, well, hopefully that maybe brought some insight to people. I yeah. really think that this is an important one for, like I said, for trainers particularly. Yeah. I think trainers can get a lot out of this. Very much so. Um, and then, yeah, if you're in that position, if you guys ever need to talk about it, just let us know. Yeah. We'll help you guys. There you go. We'll do that. What's what's the, the the tabloid that's in like the newspaper? The ask what's her face? Oh, you know what know. I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's about. this thing in the newspaper that's like uh, ask Andy or, or some shit like that, right? <laughs> and people would send in their like life problems, basically, yeah. or a situation that happened to them or whatever it may be. Yeah. And then this person would write it out and then respond like in depth to this person <laughs> in just like yeah. this kind, caring, thoughtful manner, yep. right? And I feel like like we could do that with your situation. Yeah. <laughs> send me your situation, right? You can anonymously send it to us. Email yeah. it to David at MiracleCanotraining There you go. And then we'll we'll just do Ask David, and you can just ask me about how I would handle your tough life situations with your dogs or without them. Who knows? There we go. Might be a new segment. <laughs> All, All right. right, guys. Well, we'll catch you on the next one. Yep. See you. See you.